good because I just hit record and we're live, brother. <laughs> so Rich, how are you, man? Uh, good. Full of piss and vinegar, ready to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the That You May Know Him podcast. <laughs> this is part nine or part 10, I don't know, in our series, God Save America. I'm Blake Barbera, your host, and I'm joined by my good friend and my co-host for this series, God Save America, Rich Russell, who apparently is full of uh, all sorts of stuff in vinegar, ready to record this episode and get into it. <laughs> right, Rich? I just thought I'd sc- I just thought I'd scare away any religious spirits that were listening. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, unfortunately, I I just dawned on me that my two co-hosts for the last like six months have been you and Kevin, and you both live in Southern California. So people worry that we're the ones with the religious spirit or the progressive liberal spirit and they have to actually sit through a whole episode and hear your guys hearts in order to be sure of the fact that hey even though you know the co-hosts are both in california it's okay there are good people out there there's good god-fearing christians out there 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 is a remnant there there is a remnant there is a remnant uh, there you go we're praying in more yeah there you go there you go so what do you think brother normally so that this series god save america rich and i talk about kingdoms and power and really how christians contend for the nations that we're a part of in a godly god-honoring way while keeping our eyes and our focus fixed on our true calling which is the work of the gospel last episode which was two weeks ago we talked about two historical figures um, John Newton and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And that was pretty cool. And their views on the intersection of faith and politics. Uh, got some feedback on that episode. A lot of, a lot of people, I, you know, it, it caught the attention of folks, it seems like, based on the numbers. But since then, a uh, lot's happened nationally. Um, you and I are continuing to talk and fellowship about, you know, sort of these evolving views we have of our calling uh, to engage with what's going on in the world. But I also uh, went to D.C. last weekend, uh, and that was kind of an interesting experience. So I don't know, brother. Where do we start? Where do we start? You know, I, so, you know, in, in traditional evangelism, you want to convince people of their sin and their need of a Savior. Uh-huh. I think we've—I I, I, I got a sneaking hunch. I'm not sure, you know, because we never planned this out. But I just got this sense that we're going to have to convince the audience— of the sinfulness of America. And, mm. uh, um, and so your trip to DC, you know, might wow. be, you know, might be an eye opener and, uh, you know, that, you know, maybe some things that I pick up on, but I really want to hear about your, uh, your DC trip and, and, you know, some of the history you saw being manifest yeah. that, that, uh, that, you know, our, our eyes may not be enlightened to. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, um, I guess I, I I don't really know where to begin other than to say that there were kind of like, it, it ended up, it wasn't planned this way. This was like my wife and Mai's baby moon because uh, we're expecting our first child next week, believe it or not. So thanks everyone for your prayers. Um, we have been wanting to go to DC for a while. We've been wanting, I've been wanting to go to the Museum of the Bible. She's been wanting to go there too. But we've just been wanting to go up there and check it out. I was supposed to go there a couple of years ago, right before COVID happened. And then it, COVID shut everything down. Um, 
But the trip basically ended up feeling like it was divided into two different segments. The segments when we were looking at the national historical things, like the Capitol building, the Supreme Court, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Temple. Uh, Actually, it's called the Lincoln Memorial, but I have something interesting to tell you about the Lincoln Memorial that I, I didn't know before this trip. So there was that side of the trip. And then the other side was the spiritual side. Uh, not that that's not spiritual, but you know, the more God-focused, who we are as children of God and followers of Jesus side, where we we came across a David's tent in the middle of you know, the, the big kind of, I don't think it's technically the national mall, but right before the national mall where there's this big, you know, long stretch of, of really nice grass in between the Capitol building and the Washington monument, David's tent and Rich is as a part of David's tent. I think you're part of David's tent, California. There are two, there are two different organizations, but yeah, go ahead and explain oh, okay. uh, David's tent. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, gosh, you would be better than me. I'll give just a preview. David's Tent is basically, I think it's sort of modeled after IHOP. It's a place for 24-hour worship and prayer. Um, And so it's literally a tent, a permanent tent that's set up right there in the heart of D.C. on a lawn where people are, I mean, it's really busy area. And there's people who 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 are doing worship. 24 hours a day and you can stop in anytime and worship the Lord or pray. It's sort of like a house of prayer, to be honest with you with worship going on. And um, apparently some different churches meet there at various times, but seeing that, not knowing it was going to be there, it was like a total beacon of light. Uh, so we stopped in and sat for a while and prayed and talked to some folks. And it's actually really close to the museum of the Bible, which is the other beacon of light in DC, but go ahead. Tell, tell us more like specifically what David's tent is, if you wouldn't. Well, and again, they're, they're two different organizations, but they're very similar. And you know, the David's tent, it's called David's tent USA. They've been doing a, they've been doing a three day worship. Um, It's a, it's a worship gathering in England for about 10 years now. And it's mm. an amazing pastoral setting. As a matter of fact, I've got it as a background on my computer, this like acres and oh. acres of pasture land with, you know, with this English castle in the background in the foothills. And they set up this tent that, that will house five to 7,000 people. And wow. for 72 hours, it is nothing but worship. And, you know, it, the worship mm-hmm. is going on 72 hours. They've got plenty people gather outside and fellowship and pray and, you know, minister to one another. And, you know, they've got food stands set up. But but the the, the, the their, their byline, their, the motive for doing it is because he's worthy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and washing away all the, the, the church activities and just getting down to the focus of focusing on him because he's worthy. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably a similar spirit that, that uh, David sent in DC has, but you know, that's really trying to bring us back to this, the focus on the centrality and preeminence of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely could catch the sense. We didn't get to talk to the folks that were sort of running it. Um, I think right when we were there, they were kind of tied up with some stuff, but uh, I saw a lot of prayer going on. I, I actually saw them all together in prayer. I almost walked up, and <laughs> joined them, but it looked like a staff gathering type of thing. So uh, it was pretty amazing because walking around that city, 
Washington, D.C. I mean, you definitely feel, you definitely feel there's like a spiritual heaviness. It's, it almost feels like it's dense territory. And there's just a, there's just a lot of darkness. And I'm not just talking about the architecture and all of the, all of the non-Christian, non-godly things that are culturally tied into DC. I'm talking about just the state of people also. Uh, Mm -hmm. I felt felt like I was back, gosh, San Francisco is almost my hometown. I I felt like I was back there in some parts of the city that I have some memories walking around in where you just go, man, it's really heavy here. Or even parts of India that I've been to. So, so yeah, that's sort of what it was like. There was this, on one hand, we, we, we got to be in these beacon, these places that were like beacons of light. And then, you know, visiting, for instance, the Capitol building. Like I, I remember standing, this is, I guess, a a week ago today, the day this is airing, it, it was last Friday, standing right there in front of the Capitol building. We had just looked across the street at the Supreme Court. I'm looking up at this thing. There's beautiful. I'm just literally looking right up at the Capitol Dome, which is a magnificent you know, piece of architecture and a magnificent display. There's beautiful blue sky with white clouds just drifting by, a big, beautiful flag. You know, this, this, this lady goddess of liberty statue on the top. And I remember looking up and Christina and I are looking there and I remember saying, this is so conflicting. This is so conflicting because on the one hand, uh huh, con- conflicting between like the this the presence of the Spirit of God and David Sant in the National Museum, the Bible Museum, and 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 the other architecture and the oppression you felt is that that contrast? Or well, was it- that, that I'm glad you you asked that because we had hadn't gotten to David's tent yet. So like capital was one of the first things we did. We left the apartment we were staying at. We were planning on just walking around for a little bit. We wound up at the Capitol and we ended up walking like 10 miles Friday night, which was crazy. My wife's 36 weeks pregnant at the time. Uh, no conflicting in the sense that like, here's, here's this, this representation of this, of this blessing called America that, that, that people have, have fought and died for that Christians have fought and died for. And that is so wrapped and so veiled in so much, you know, uh, biblical language and, and Judeo Christian principles. And this idea that God is the one who gives individuals rights. It's like, on the one hand, this is something that we're supposed to contend for, be thankful for, praise God for. And to be honest, it's probably better off than than anything humanity's you know done in terms of government and and civilization in the past and yet i felt as though i was looking at the absolute biggest idol that i would ever have to face in my life at the same time wow. well a little background you know i i don't know if the audience is familiar with the um uh, with Freemasonry and the demonic roots of Freemasonry, but um, mm. the architect for Washington D.C. Uh, was a Freemason, and and he designed a lot of Washington D.C. on that. The Washington Monument, you know, is a is a Freemasonry symbol, um, and so you know, going back to the roots of America, there's a tremendous 
um, uh, uh, what do you call it? A tremendous mixture of, of Judeo Christian uh-huh. ethic. Uh, you know, there's, there was a measure of Christ centeredness in it. And yet there was yep. this, this very humanist, you know, uh, God <sighs> is, you know, man is God and, and, mm-hmm. and man can do good. And, and this was the most noble effort of man to do good. And so there's that mixture in the constitution, uh, which we're seeing exposed yeah. today because now all of a sudden it's, it's not rooted in Judeo-Christian ethic. It's rooted in this, it's, it's rooted in this humanist sense of, of trying to find what's good. And, and so you end up with mm-hmm. this social justice, you end up with, uh, mm-hmm. You know, you end up with wo- a woke culture because they're absolutely convinced they're they're being noble in their uh, principles that they believe in, and mm-hmm. it's you know it's by by a Judeo Christian standard, it's obviously evil, but from yeah. a humanist standpoint, they 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 they're completely deceived that this is for the yep. good. Yeah, it's like the so, best we got. Yeah, and this is and 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 it it goes back to the the formation of America with, uh, you know, mm. George Washington. I don't think he was a practicing Freemason, but he was a Freemason. There was a lot of Freemasons yep. in the, uh, you know, in in among the founding fathers. The majority, I believe, were Freemasons or involved in it. So I was going to ask you, even though you said it, but I, I still want to ask the question. What's at the heart of Freemasonry? And this isn't an episode about Freemasonry, but we should probably do one of those with you because I know that you know a lot about it. What's If you had to say what's at the heart of Freemasonry, what is it? It, it is, um, well, the, there's a, when you become a 33rd degree Freemason, which is the highest level, it's, it's, yeah. it's man earning, it's man climbing the ladder toward mm-hmm. perfection. And mm-hmm. the 33rd degree Freemason, which Walt Disney surprisingly was a was a 33rd degree freemason you mm-hmm. learn that there's a deity in the, in mm-hmm. in freemasonry and the deity is uh, I gosh I know two of them um, one is Baal you know straight from the mm-hmm. Bible uh, mm-hmm. the other is um, uh, Ashtaroth Ashtaroth uh-huh Ashtaroth the, the female goddess and then and then a third so it's an unholy trinity mm-hmm. that at its at its heart is evil but the mm-hmm. bottom line is this is this is what I've seen how it manifests in people's lives, a- along with mm-hmm. a lot of curses. Because as you climb the ladder of Freemasonry, you you basically invoke curses if you reveal any of the secrets of Freemasonry. So that's wow. the root of a lot of the curses of Freemasonry. You know, like I, I'll wow. slip my throat and you know all this stuff if I if I reveal the first, uh, the you know the first level of Freemasonry. You know, the and right. and, and the expression hoodwinked is is literally they put a hood over your head in the first wow. degree of freemasonry and and yep. it was called hoodwink so you get hoodwinked you get deceived into something right, um, right. so um but the, but at the heart that i've seen in freemasonry is is a is is a spirit of unbelief they cannot mm. believe in I've especially seen it in in people who claim to be charismatics, but they have a family history of Freemasonry, and they don't yep. move in the gifts of the Spirit. Yep. And and it's at that yep. root. That's the Freemasonry. And and what is the number one thing God goes after? Your unbelief. Yeah. 
Yeah. And what is the number one thing that Freemasonry does in the spirit, hidden, but in the spirit, it promotes unbelief. So yeah. that's basically yeah. the war. And and a lot yeah. of Freemasons claim that they can be Christians. And I can go oh, on and on, I, but... Brother, I, I know pastors in this area where I live in North Carolina who are practicing Freemasons, mm-hmm. who've been pastoring churches for 30 years. So you're not kidding. A lot of people think that. I, I was going to say, and I think you'd agree with this, and this is directly tied in with unbelief, humanism. Mm-hmm. You used that Absolutely. word earlier. Humanism is at the heart of Freemasonry. And I think the thing that is so important for us to remember about the formation of America and where it came from as Christians is you've alluded to it already, but you had this, this almost like this perfect storm of these different worldviews coming together where you had this very Puritan worldview that was brought over to America by the pilgrims and the people who lived here who were more or less driven away from Europe because of a desire to practice their religion freely, their Christian religion freely. And yet you also had the enlightenment, which had at this point become exported all throughout the Western world. And so you have these founding fathers. And I remember as a kid growing up in church, hearing all the time, this country was founded by Christians. This country was founded as a Christian nation. This country was founded by people who loved the Lord. And then I really, as an adult, started digging into that and realizing, you know what? It's not that cut and dry at all. A lot of the founding fathers didn't actually confess a Christian worldview. You had deists, you had agnostics, you had people who who claimed a Christian identity like Thomas Jefferson, but who literally just cut out the parts of the Bible that they didn't like. Uh, Benjamin Franklin never came to faith in Jesus, and he heard, oh man, I got to tell you, there's a whole section of the Bible museum about George Whitfield, which was pretty cool mm-hmm. as part of like the, the, you know, the, the Christian roots of America thing. And I think the museum did a pretty good job of showing how the Bible and Christianity has influenced and has impacted the world and America without openly saying, Hey, we're a Christian nation and all, you know, and trying to paint everything in a Christian light. That's probably not actually being true to history. Um, and the very the very essence of humanism, it can sum it up in one sentence, is that human reason is the final authority. And the Enlightenment mm-hmm. has polluted all of Christianity because most of Christianity Absolutely. is based on human understanding, uh, yeah. not on revelation. And First Corinthians 2, really, Paul really goes after, you know, the, the, uh, the ineffectiveness and even the enmity of human understanding. Uh, with with the knowledge of God by the by the power of the Spirit, mm-hmm. you're going to love this, Rich. Uh, th- 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 systematic theologians are going to hate it, but you're going to love it. And I say it, and there's great nuance in in what I'm about to say, but I just couldn't let this opportunity go without telling you in particular. And having been through seminary and taken so much church history. Do you know what I think directly led to the rise of the Enlightenment in the West and in Europe, Rich? What? The development of systematic theology. (laughs) You're right. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. Because it all, it just got, I mean, from the time of Augustine onward, it got so 
philosophical and so deep and so inward and so Greek and so logic, you know, it just goes and it goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, you could get into some of these systematic theology classes where you're studying like the medieval time period. And these guys are so far down the rabbit hole. It's like, you don't even know what they're talking about anymore. I feel Uh like I'm in, I'm in a, you know, a stoic philosophy class. Uh, uh, and then I've read know, some of the intellectuals and, and it, it, and it just, it spins my head and I'm, I'm reasonably intelligent. And I, you know, I, I love, uh, you know, um, uh, intellectually understanding what the spirit of God re- reveals to me. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but some of those people just are spinning themselves in circles going, what yeah. the heck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to I want to hear your so, story about the Lincoln Memorial when you don't forget that. Oh way. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean it. So it, it's kind of interesting because because Friday night. I mean, I'll I'll just tell you about it right now to kind of wrap this up. We 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 leave the apartment. We go to the Supreme Court. I was immediately struck by like what is with all of these Greek, you know, gods and goddesses that are on every building of our national government. Like why do all the statues and the, and, and all the, all the artistic pieces etched on the outside of like the Supreme court, why do they look like Greek God? Like they're, they're either Greek goddesses or they're Roman intellectuals wearing togas. Like it, it's one or the other it, for a, for a country that claims to be Christian. There's not one Jewish symbol anywhere to be found. There's not one Christian symbol anywhere to be found. And all of this architecture in these buildings is Greek and Roman, which is, which is essentially Greek. Uh, and it just blew my mind. Um, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, it, it's really important to examine this because, you know, a seed is going to bear fruit. And, yeah. and we've watched America grow for 200 years and, and over 200 years. And, and, you know, that, that seed of the, the Puritan, uh, the, the Puritan Christianity is definitely there. There was definitely the seed, but then there's also, you know, there's also this very humanist dark side. And I think we're seeing those two branches at war yep. today. And, yep. and, and how do we, you know, how do we bring God into it? You know, I think I personally think that that God wants to drain the swamp and God wants yep. to purge America of of the of the weeds that are choking out uh, uh, true Christianity in America. And, and we can see how Christianity in America is such a watered down delusion to what the heart of God is and what the Bible calls us to um, that. He says, I am jealous for my bride. And um, and so what he's doing. It, true Christians don't have to worry about it. People Laodicean Christians may have to, but true Christians, huh. uh, you know, it's it's almost like the damsel in distress, and the prince is coming mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, you know, the the knight in shining armor is coming to save us. Um, mm-hmm. What that looks like may get pretty ugly, but um, that's kind of what I do think you know, is is taking place. Do you know where I think those two branches of of America's history, which is which are the humanistic branch 
and the Judeo-Christian branch, you know where I think they're most in conflict right now, where that conflict is working itself out the most in the hearts of evangelical Christians. Wow. That's a very interesting insight. That's a very, very interesting insight. That's that's true. I was going to say education, but but God's heart is for the church. So you're absolutely right. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's important that we keep having these conversations because we have to delineate the difference between not only those two things. Well, okay, what's really godly? What's really Christian? What you know? What's really of the Lord and what's not? Um. But then also, what are we contending for and what are we fighting for? That's why I like talking about John Newton, even though we never got to a place where we said we can fully endorse John Newton's true patriotism perspective, you know, last episode, you know, and apply it to here and now. He was, he was harp, he was like, he was putting up a plumb line, which is, hey, Christian, remember your true calling. Remember why you're here. Remember what your real purpose is. If you're going to go and contend for a nation or a government, don't forget that your real enemy and the real enemy of humanity is sin. You got to get to the root. You can't just be dealing with causes for the rest of time. You know, and I hearken back to our discussions about the seven mountain mandate and, you know, the, the plumb line I think is, is right there. It's, it's, it's humanism. It, it's human effort counterfeiting as grace. Wow. What is, what is the grace of God? What is the power of God doing? And are we surrendered and are we being dependent? You know, in other words, you know, can we, can we, can we watch God purge the land or are wow. we in a, in a humanist endeavor saying, no, we need to stand up for our Christianity and our values and we will conquer the land. And I think that's that's the proper plumb line is that is that humanism versus or human effort uh, versus grace. And so there's yeah. a lot of truth, just like in America. There's a lot of truth. There's a lot of Ju- Judeo-Christian justification for uh, for being involved in politics. And 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 I'm still not going to take away from the people that some people are called to call politics by yeah. grace yeah. to do it. Yeah. But there's but there's a pollution of of human effort. And human understanding in in what God truly wants to do, and unfortunately, I think you know the the prophetic is permeated with um, uh, with that humanism, and and God yeah. wouldn't dare do this. Um, God wouldn't let this happen. Right, right. So, yeah, and it's like, uh, have you read the prophets recently? <laughs> <laughs> if God let it happen to Israel, what do you think you're any different for? Well, let me segue into Habakkuk because we had talked about it earlier, and and I absolutely believe yeah. if people if people want to know what's happening to America today, read the book of Habakkuk, and the and the the the, the yeah. dialogue, the 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 dialogue that God had with Habakkuk because Habakkuk, just like the evangelicals, were crying out, crying out mm-hmm. against this. That look at all the sin in the land. Look at a you know. Look at abortion. Look at you know. Uh, look at homosexuality. You know, God, God, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And, yeah. And then God says, "I'm going to send the Assyrian army and bring judgment on Israel for this for the sin that that permeates the land." And Habakkuk yeah. freaks out. Habakkuk <laughs> says, "How can you 
use someone who's more evil than us to judge our evil. And, and they go yeah. back and forth and dialogue about it. And Habakkuk, you know, a good prophet submitted. But chapter yeah. three is a prayer. And chapter three wow. essentially is summed up in, okay, God, I understand you. I understand what you're doing. You want to purge the land of sin. Um, but yeah. in your judgment, remember mercy. Yeah. And then the wow. last verses, and then the last verses, Habakkuk is, is, is encouraging himself to, to say, in the midst of losing everything, in the midst of no, you know, no grain in the barns and no, uh, you know, cat, no cattle in the field, uh, he lists off like five things of just what is, looks like could be coming upon America. Um, he yeah. says, I will exalt the Lord. I will exult yeah. in the Lord no matter what happens. I am going to remain steadfastly focused on the goodness and sovereignty and faithfulness of God. And and that message mm. needs to be preached to American Christianity. Otherwise, mm. otherwise Scripture is going to be fulfilled that there's going to be a great falling away. Mm. Yeah, can I read a few of these? Because that, that, that's inspiring, and that, that's a great, great parallel. Though the fig tree should not blossom, this is Habakkuk chapter 3, starting in 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. That is beautiful, man. That's going in my in my uh, memorization app. Wow. And, I, and again, I, I was looking for a scripture earlier, and I, I couldn't find it. It's in Ezekiel. But it talks about, I'm going to bring judgment on the land but the righteous will escape. Yeah. It will not come upon the righteous. And and I keep mm-hmm. hearing that, I keep seeing it that there is going to be all all the stuff that we hear in the media, all the stuff that want to bring fear and terror is going to happen in America, but there's somehow for those for the remnant that gathers together and and takes that Habakkuk exhortation to exult in the Lord. Um, yeah. There is going to be supernatural provision. There is going to be supernatural safety. I have no idea how a supernatural God is going to do that, but you know, if He's sovereign, He's able. You know, you you think about yeah. you think about Passover, and all you had to do was put blood on your doorpost. If you yeah. didn't put blood, on, if the if your neighbor on each side didn't put blood, the the eldest child was dead. How? How could that surgical knife accomplish something like that? And yet yeah. I think that's what we're going to be experiencing uh, uh, in these end times. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a good word. So if, if I may, can I just kind of try to encapsulate this understanding of what's going on in Habakkuk and American evangelicalism? I think I th- – well, not encapsulate, just throw my throw – my, my my perspective in the hat. I think that many Christians in America are in the exact same situation Habakkuk was in. I should say we. <laughs> we we see the evil in the land. 
We're crying out to God about about it. Deal with this, God. But I think, unfortunately, that's where a lot of people stop and they never get to the point of saying, well, how's the Lord going to deal with this? And how does the Lord deal with sin, actually? And 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 what if... You know, what if his, his dealing with us isn't, doesn't coincide with my great hope and expectation for America? Cause it's like, I, you know, I, I see this all the time. It's like on one hand, Christians are so upset and so disturbed by what's going on in the country and it, it and they should be. Um, and yet there still isn't even this, this, it's like nothing really registers that, Hey, Maybe, maybe America isn't, isn't this, this, this promised land that you made it out to be because no, no kingdom in this world, this side of heaven is, or ever will be. Does that sound like, like, uh, And, it's and sacrilegious yet, yet, to a lot of people. <laughs> well, and yet, and and again, we we've got to look at the fact that there has been a favor on America, and you know, and the in, totally. in the midst of its sinfulness, in the in the in the midst of, you know, not getting rid of slavery, you know, until until a civil war in the eighteen sixties, when when most of Europe had gotten rid of slavery, uh, by like yep. I think it was completely gone out of France and Spain and and England by eighteen eleven. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to have some type of objective look in that. And, and, you know, the, the I don't want to get into the, you know, the treatment of the native Americans and what we did there, but, um, you know, we have a checkered past and we have to, we have to be honest about it and, 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 and we can't try and fix it with reparations and things like that. The only thing we can fix it with is, is, is praying God come in and cleanse the land. Come in and yeah. cleanse the land. But, you know, I, yeah. I had a thought when you were talking about how is God going to deal with America and how is yeah. God going to deal with the sin in America? When you said uh-huh. that, I got this thought. I got I got this thought like he's going to go after the sin in the hearts of the evangelicals first. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, because he, yep. he said, if, if my people humble themselves and you know, humble themselves, yep. repent of their wicked ways, uh, and turn back to me, I will heal their land. So there's a, yep. there's a, there's a, there's a progression there. It's like if the evangelicals, uh, turn to God and, and, yep. and we get cleansed, then he would cleanse our land. And most evangelicals yep. probably would, would freak out going, well, there's not that much wrong with me compared to what's in the world. And <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's true. That's true. Uh, so you want to know what happened as we journeyed from Supreme Court to Capitol building, seeing these statues and, and Greek yeah, goddesses yeah. and, and, you know, uh, I mean, it just, like I said, it just blew my mind, but then seeing David's tent in between all of this and the Bible museum is like perpendicular in the layout to David's tent. So they're like right smack dab in the middle of all these monuments and buildings that are just covered in non-Christian, uh, ungodly sort of symbolism. And then you get to the Washington monument. And honestly, I remember like that. That's one of the things I remember when I visited DC in eighth grade is how, <laughs> how interesting that thing looks. Even in eighth grade, I thought of Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and like, what, <laughs> 
this looks this looks weird, man. It's like this giant, just this giant phallic symbol pointing up to the sky. You stand under it. It is massive. How how does that how does that honor Washington? I'm not sure. And you know what else? This is a total side note, but another question came up. Are we supposed to make monuments to men? I'm not sure. I'm talking about from a purely biblical perspective now. I don't know. I've never gone there. I, I mean, the, you know the yeah. the um, uh, you know they the, the Israelites built altars when God gave them victory, um, right? Altars so to the, God. The the principles are there. Yeah, altars to God. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and yet, you know, there was, you know, I mean, the Bible is full of honor of you know the the patriarchs. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it's a, it's a question that came up. So then we finally, at like nine o'clock at night, make it to the Lincoln Memorial. And when you walk into the Lincoln Memorial, it's a huge, huge, I mean, everyone knows what it looks like because you've seen a picture of it or you've seen it on a video or a documentary or something. Do you know what it actually says in the Lincoln Memorial when you walk in the door right behind Abraham Lincoln? right behind the statue of him sitting there. Mm. It -hmm. says in this temple, as in the hearts of the people for whom he saved the union, the memory of Abraham Lincoln is enshrined forever. Wow. But the words in this temple just shook me, man. I mean, they, they, they went through me and even I, I looked at Christina and she was like, is that say this is a temple? And I'm like, yep, you're standing in a temple right now. You know, and, and you can look at the, the temple to me symbolizes, you know, a, a place of worship. And you go back that's to what the, it is. You, know, you go back to the, you go back to the, um, uh, the 10 commandments says you shall have no other gods before me and you shall bow yep. down to no other gods, but me. Um, yeah. So definitely in America, there is a significant mixture. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate, you know, I, I appreciate Christians today that exalt the, the, um, uh, the nobility of the Christian ethic uh, in America uh-huh. and wanting to sustain it. But we've got to let God come in and purge it. We've, we've got to let God come in and purge it. And, and hold on to our devotion and adoration of the God who's coming in to cleanse our hearts and cleanse our land. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the more we rail against it, it's, it's almost like fighting. It's almost like fighting a birthing, you know, mm-hmm. that you, you, you need to go with it. You need to go with the contractions. Uh, you need to maintain peace, not, not sink down into fear or panic, uh, because mm-hmm. that, just, that just makes the process that much more difficult. Hmm. You know what? Uh, when when you were talking about worship, it made, <laughs> I hadn't thought of this when I asked that question about about making monuments. But it made me think of, "You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve." And then the next thing that popped in my mind is, "You shall not make a graven ima- <laughs> a graven <laughs> image, <laughs> or bow oh. to them, or serve them." Yeah, uh, that, that was our- definitely. Mm-hmm. How come we're not on our faces repenting right now? Um, yeah, that uh, with the with 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 the Greek pillars and the huge statue. Yeah, it was it was wild. 
Man, brother. Well, um, I don't know if that's a landing spot, but it feels like it. I don't know if there's anything else on your heart. No, just a reminder the Statue of Liberty was was f- fashioned after um uh who was it the was it was it Asheroth, the a goddess of it was it was fashioned after some goddess. Um Yeah, I I think it I think it might be I know the the statue on top of the Texas Memorial. I'm sorry, the Texas um state capitol is the goddess of liberty. It looks a lot like I was just reading about a lot of this arch- like American architecture recently. It looks a lot like Statue of Liberty, but I I think it might have been Astaroth. I'm not sure, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's probably a, a good landing place, and and uh, yeah, it's given us a lot to uh, a lot to digest, and and yeah, and and crying out to a sovereign God who loves us and does not want it's. And again, I'll, I'll, let me just say this: it's it's like he. God, Lot was oppressed by the evil in Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and I think that He wants to free us from the oppression that drags us down and robs us of a purity of devotion. And 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 yeah. I, I'm more and more convinced He's going to do that, and that's the reason it's coming. It's not this negative evil judgment. Um, you know, it's 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 not like a wrath of God. It's a judgment of God to cleanse mm-hmm. God's people from the impurities that they're being polluted with. Mm. Mm. I think that's a good perspective to have, brother. Good word. Good word to end on, I think. All right. Well, thanks, Rich. It was a good one. God bless you, brother. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that cut to the chase. Cut to the chase on uh, on what's going on. Deep. Bless you, man. Deep and heavy. Yeah, you too. Uh, I don't know. We've probably offended someone, but you're always going to offend someone, but that's okay. Uh, I hope that we edified a lot of people too in the process. Well, guys, as always, the That You May Know Him podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcasting app and to leave us a rating and a five-star review on iTunes. Also, don't forget, that the That You May Know Him YouTube channel drops new videos every week. So whether you're a podcast person, a YouTube person, whatever your preferred medium is, we've got you covered. There's new content coming out every single week. You can learn more about our ministry at thatyoumayknowhim.com and you can support our ministry at thatyoumayknowhim.com slash give. Thanks so much for listening. For Blake Bar- for Rich Russell, I'm Blake Barbera signing off. Stay blessed. Live loved, and we will talk to you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review and telling your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and check out our website for tons of free, biblically-based content like Bible studies, devotionals, articles, and Bible teachings. The That You May Know Him podcast is produced by That You May Know Him Ministries, Durham, North Carolina. You can visit our website at thatyoumayknowhim.com.